first reading for this Sunday is from 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko and Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the Valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. For 40 days, the Philistine came down Came forward, from, came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and he will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead. 
and he fell face down on the ground. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw, when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him. David said, I am the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Everybody loves an underdog, right? Yeah, no, some of you. Depends on, on which side you're on. Um, is this right? Close enough, right? Um, in our story today, uh, we have a, a kind of the quintessential underdog story. It's the story of David and Goliath. I mean, if you were to say David and Goliath out in society, people would, would know exactly what you're talking about. My favorite David and Goliath story, underdog story, um, recently for me, happened in 2016. It was uh, the story of the um, national soccer team from the country of Iceland as they entered into the European Cup, all right? So the European Cup is kind of a, it's kind of a mini World Cup for just the European nations, and this is a big deal over in Europe. And I happened to be in England at the time. It was a chance my family got to go to London during my sabbatical in 2016. Now I'm a soccer player. I grew up playing soccer through college and I love to watch soccer. And, and I'll admit that soccer can be boring sometimes. And so what was really cool about being over there is soccer was on all the time and there was one specific channel that while we were there during the European Cup, we could turn on the channel and it was a continual loop of all of the highlights that happened from that day's soccer matches. So it was great, there was no commercials, there was no commentators, they would just show like all the shots and penalty shots and corner kicks and chances on goal. It was really fun, you got a chance to see everything. So we kind of started getting into this, this European Cup while we're there. I mean, we didn't really have anything uh, against England or for England, it was just fun to be there while it was happening. So the, the David in this story is the Iceland team. Now Iceland was the smallest nation to make it into the, to the world, to the European Cup. It was the first time they had been in and they barely made it into the cup. Their qualifying wasn't that great, but good enough to make it in. And then the, in the opening rounds, there's kind of the group rounds where four teams all play each other and then the best teams out of there make it. They were second in their group. They barely made it into the elimination round. In the first round of the elimination rounds, Iceland has to face England, powerhouse. I mean, England, they've got high hopes. The team has been doing well. Um, and Iceland is this no-name country that, you know, everybody's kind of laughing at, saying, well, this is great. England got a great draw in the first round. So just to give you a picture, um, England's head coach, it was his full-time gig and he made $10 million a year to be their coach. Iceland, their head coach, was a part-time dentist. All right? <laughs> Nothing against dentists, Dr. Rupenthal, but he was not a full-time soccer coach, all right? So it was, it was this David and Goliath story, all right? So sure enough, the reason I'm telling you the story, we were at a flat in 
south in this region called Kent, and we were watching, we got to watch part of the game, and as the game went on, it was tied late into the game, and in the end, Iceland scored a goal to go ahead, and they held on, and they beat England. Now, this was like, the people in England were beside themselves. How could this happen? We're paying this coach $10 million, and how can all of this? Now, what I got to tell you the rest of the story is, the same day that this match happened was the vote as to whether England was going to leave the European Union. I mean, this was a major political vote, one of the most important votes in Europe in, in decades, all right? And England voted that day to leave the European Union, the Brexit vote. Now, both of these happened on the same day. Guess which got the major news that night? <laughs> it was England losing to Iceland, and, and it was really fun to be there and to be a part of that. We all love that story um, of the underdog because we, we kind of we want to place ourselves in there as, as the underdog. We feel like we're kind of an underdog. Well, this story of, of David and Goliath, we know pretty well, but I just want to go through some of the details for you. You've got the, the, the nation of Israel. You've got the army of Israel facing off against their enemy, the Philistines. And they're on either side of the valley, and neither one wants to give up the high ground. They stay on either side, they draw their battle lines, and they're kind of, you know, like a, a prize fight. They're kind of measuring each other up. Well, the Philistines send out a, a, a champion, he's called. Their biggest and best. It's Goliath. This version says nine feet tall. Some, some people say seven, eight feet tall. He was big, and just to give you by comparison, Archaeologists say that the Jewish nation, their average height was somewhere between five foot and five foot three. All right? So even if the guy was Pastor Scott, he would still like look like a giant over this group. Now, just by further comparison, there was one that stood head and shoulders above everybody else in, in Israel, and they made him their king. This was King Saul. Saul was five foot ten. All right? So they were a short people. Another interesting fact, it says the weight of his javelin, the end of his spear was 16 pounds. Can you imagine a bowling ball, something that's the weight of a bowling ball being on the end of a spear that you're going to have to hurl at somebody? I don't think many of us could do that very well. He was a big guy. He was their champion. So you would think that Israel would say, let's send out our champion, our biggest and our best. Hey, Saul, you, you're it. You're our king. You're the one that's supposed to lead us. Go out there and take him on. Scripture says that Saul was just like the rest of the Israelites. They were on the sideline, cowering in fear. In the meantime, out in the countryside is David. David the shepherd, taking care of his sheep. He's the youngest of eight sons. He's the runt of the family. His father, Jesse, asked David to take some provisions to his seven older brothers that are out on the front lines with, you know, the strong guys fighting for the army of, of Israel. So David takes some bread and some cheese and he goes to the front lines. And as he's going to the front lines, he hears this giant, Goliath, calling down curses and mocking the nation of Israel and the God of Israel, Yahweh. David can't believe it. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? How can he say this against our God? Are you going to let him say this? Come on, who's going to take him on? And everybody kind of backs away. 
says, David, are you going to do it? We're not going to do it. David says, sure, I'll do it. God has delivered me from the hand of a lion and from the hand of a bear. I can do this because the battle is the Lord's battle. And so they take him to Saul. And Saul says, you can't. You're just a boy. That giant's been fighting from when he was your age. He'll tear you apart. And David again expresses his confidence in the Lord and says, the Lord's delivered me from the hand of a lion and a bear. He'll deliver me from the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine. So Saul, thinking in human ways, says, well, let's, let's get you outfitted with some armor. And so they put Saul's armor on him and it's way too big and he can't move around. And David says, forget it, I don't need it grabs five stones and his sling and he goes out and he confronts Goliath and he tells Goliath the same thing the Lord is gonna fight this battle the battle is Yahweh's they charge at each other David takes one stone in his sling aims it at the giant hits him in the head he goes down and to secure the battle to secure the victory he takes the giant's own sword from his sheath cuts off his head and now, all those standing on the side, all the nation of the army of Israel jumps up and shouts and says, we've won, the battle is won, look what we've done. And they charge after the Philistines and the Philistines go in retreat. And the story ends like, like a great Western. Saul goes up to David and says, who are you? And David says, I'm the son of Jesse from Bethlehem. Now, we love this story. It's been used as, a, as a, a way to encourage people for centuries, for generations. Because like I said, we see ourselves as the underdog. And the message is often, take courage, because God will reward you for your courage. Or God loves the underdog, and he'll, he'll help you to overcome. Or even with God on your side, you can defeat any giant. But I think there's something more to this story. There's something deeper for us. We have to look to David. And we have to look at the attitude of David. David recognized that the battle was not his, that it was the Lord's battle. And you see, David is an Old Testament picture, a shadow of what was to come. David had been anointed to be the leader of God's people by Samuel, the high priest, but nobody knew it, only David's family. David had been set apart to lead God's people in victory to a new day. David was the eighth, the eighth child of Jesse. And in Jewish culture, the number eight was extremely important because it was one after seven, and seven was the number of completion, the number of time, the number of the, the cycle of life. There were six days of work, and on the seventh day you rested, and then you'd go back to the first day, and you'd work, and you'd rest, and, and continually. But the eighth day was the first day of a new time, a new era. And in David, God was bringing about a new reign in his people. And what David is doing is he's pointing to a greater king, one who was set apart to lead God's people 
as a shepherd, as the good shepherd, the one who would bring about a new era of God's reign and a victory over our giants. You see, when, when Jesus went to the cross, he defeated Satan. And on the first day of a new week, on the eighth day, he rose again. And he promises that the battle that you're facing is not your own because, because we face real giants. We need real encouragement in life. We face giants of, of things going on inside of us physically. Our, our, our bodies, they break down and, and we experience pain and, and we experience sickness and we experience death. Mentally, our, our bodies are broken. We experience depression and anxiety and, and all kinds of things that seem like giants that are impossible to overcome. We experience giants outside of us in our relationships with each other. And, and in the temptation that's all around us, they seem impossible. And so we stand on the sideline and we say, how can we overcome this giant? And we look to the words of David. We say, the battle is the Lord's. You see, Jesus Christ came to be our champion, to be the one to take our place, to defeat our enemy, to fulfill what God said in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. When God was speaking to the serpent, he said, you will crush his, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. As Goliath crushed the head with a stone of Goliath, as David crushed that head of Goliath, as Jesus crushed the head of Satan on the cross. He has given us victory. We oftentimes want to find ourselves in the stories of the Old Testament, especially the heroes. We want to place ourselves in the place of the hero and say, I can be a hero too. But if we want to find ourselves, if we want to find ourselves in the story of David and Goliath, we don't look down into the valley at this little shepherd boy facing on a giant. No, we see ourselves on the sidelines. We see ourselves cowering in fear, looking at a giant that seems impossible. But we see ourselves cheering on the one who would take our place, the champion, our Savior Jesus Christ, who went to the cross to overcome so that when we have giants in our lives, we don't fight from a position of trying to fight for victory. No, we fight from a position of already being in victory. Because not only are we the ones standing on the sidelines cowering in fear, but we're also the ones, when the head gets cut off of Satan, we jump up and we say, hooray, look what we've done. Look what's been done for us. We are victorious. But on this side of eternity, the giants are still there. You're still going to face brokenness in your bodies, in your relationships. You're still going to face what seem like impossible giants, but we don't fight against them for victory. We fight from victory, knowing that God has already overcome. The sting of death has been taken away. In Jesus Christ, we are victorious. A friend of mine, Bob McKinney, is a DCE and he got a chance to serve at the international school over in Hong Kong for a while. And I told this story a couple of years back in a Lenten devotional, and I'm sure you all remember it from there, but I'm gonna tell it again anyway. He was an outdoors kind of guy, he liked to exercise, and so he was out hiking one day in, with some friends, 
in the countryside in China, and they, they hiked up a really difficult hill. And when they got to the top of the hill, to his surprise, there was a statue of a Christian cross. And inscribed on the back of the cross in Chinese characters was, was this phrase, but Bob couldn't read it because he, he didn't know the language. So he asked somebody that was on the tour, on the uh, trip with them uh, up the mountain. He said, can you interpret that for me? And he said, yeah. And he looked at it for a while and he said, congratulations, you made it. And he thought, oh, cool. Like, we made it to the top of that tough hill and somebody put a cross up here and they're congratulating. How cool is that? And he's like, wait a second, no. It says, the mission has been accomplished. And he said, oh, okay, well, yeah. I mean, we, we had this journey. We, were, we, we strove to get to the top of this hill and we did it. And the guy said, no, I know what it says. It says, it is finished. The final words of Jesus on the cross. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he was our champion. He took our place. And when he declared it is finished, every battle was won. Every giant was defeated. And through faith in him, he promises that one day we will see him face to face and there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, no more battles. Until then, we pray that he would help us to remain faithful, to know that through him, the victory is ours. In his name we pray.